because I wasn't recording Janet, although I should. And what I really loved is that someone said, Kara said, now that is a song that makes you want to participate in a Zoom meeting. Great way to kick off a Zoom. I love kicking off everything with music. And I usually try to kick off a lot of my speaking engagements with music just because, you know, it's weird, it's awkward, it's silent. And then it just gives you something to kind of pump yourself up. So wherever you're listening right now, Facebook Live. Hi, everyone on Facebook Live. Hi, everyone on the webinar. Please let me know where you're from. There's over 300 of you right here. Um, And if you're listening on my podcast, if you're a nonprofit nation listener, then welcome because I will be uploading the podcast. I will be uploading this audio to my podcast tomorrow. So I just love to use audio in the beginning because as someone said, it's a great way to make sure that you're here. We're ready to start. We're kind of going to jump in. Um, oh my gosh, Montana, Boston. I know we have a lot of Boston people, Idaho, Switzerland. I love, I just love to see where you're all from. And also I can send the chat transcription. I mean, if people are interested at the end, but what I would encourage you to do is to put your questions. If you have questions into the Q and a, but I love that. Oh, someone's in the witness protection program and unable to say, okay, well, you know what? You don't have to say where you're watching from Australia. What time is it in Australia? Oh my gosh. Santa Barbara, California. Um, oh my gosh. Chad. Hi, Chad. Oh my gosh. I see some really familiar names. Dallas Ventura, it's going so fast. 6 a.m. in Australia. Wow. Well, thank you, Sally. I love Australia. I spent some time there and lived there for a while. And I love there. I love it there. And I'm sure it's warmer than Boston. All the Boston right now is 40 degrees and not that bad. So let's get it kicked off because I know you're really anxious. You've got a lot of questions. I had such a fantastic response um, to this webinar and to this topic. And I wanted to do this to celebrate um, the doors being open to social media for Social Good Academy. And just to say thank you so much for being in my community, being on my list, and just being a part of all the stuff that I'm doing. So you're in the right place here. All right, some housekeeping. You will get the recording and the slides. If you're on Facebook Live, or if you are on the podcast, You will not be able to get the slides. I will put them up on my website, jcsocialmarketing.com. I will send out a link to access the recording and the slides. Put your questions in the question box. Now the chat, as you can see, we're almost at 400 people. Um, Martha's Vineyard, New Delhi. That's amazing. Um, So as you can see, we are a huge group today. So the chat's going to move probably pretty quickly. So if you do have a question for me to answer at the end, I will answer as many as I can and just put make sure you put it in the questions box. That's why I like the webinar format when I have a huge, huge group, because as much as I'd love to see your faces and hear you, it just can get overwhelming to try to find the questions in the chat. I like the Q&A function. So be respectful of others. You know, this is a space for curiosity, engagement, discussion. 
No question's too small. No question is ever stupid. If you have an answer and you want to answer someone in the chat, just be respectful of them. I love when people interact. And I know that a lot of you here have great advice and great experience and are doing wonderful things that could help other nonprofits. So feel free to chime in. I mean, I don't have all the answers, you know, I have some answers and I have some ideas, but I don't have all the answers. So what are we going to cover today? We are going to cover the social media trends um, that nonprofits need to consider as we enter 2022, then the four areas of social media management, um, how to schedule your 20 minutes per day and some tools to help you streamline. Now, this is a free webinar, and I just want to tell you a little bit about me because sometimes on these webinars, um, and especially if you're listening maybe to the podcast on the Facebook Live, you don't know who I am. This is my favorite photo of the four of us. It's pretty old. It's from the Boston Pride Parade in 2019. I really would love to go to another Pride Parade, but it's been canceled the past two years. So I'm a mom of two. Most of you might know I have um, a daughter who is now 12. So this is clearly an old photo and a son who is seven. I host the podcast Nonprofit Nation available anywhere you listen to podcasts. I've written a couple of books. And I'm a former development and marketing director. I have worked for really small community-based organizations and really large organizations as well. My favorite recent show is Yellow Jackets. And if you watch Yellow Jackets, I really want to be Misty for Halloween. Um, I love it. I've watched it all the way through and I really want to watch it all the way through a second time. Yellow Jackets is awesome. My favorite candy is Swedish Fish. And I run Social Media for Social Good Academy. I'm just going to give you a quick pitch for that, like 10, 20 seconds, and then we're going to get into the content. So if you don't know what the Academy is, I run a live training program. It goes five weeks, and I only run it once a year. And I see a lot of actual graduates on this webinar. I see some names of some graduates. And it's really for people, even if it's not your full-time job especially if it's not your full-time job. I don't think I've had one student where social media is their full-time job. It's more for a nonprofit professional who is squeezing social media in, or it's been put on their plate and they're really trying to be strategic about it and not spin their wheels. So in this academy over five weeks, we create a blueprint that's customized to you and we create a plan and a content calendar. So yes, there's a ton of free information out there, but really at the end of the academy, you're going to walk away with something that you can then replicate in future jobs, which actually I think is pretty cool. So the last slide about the academy, I mean, it's really one of the only times you can get one kind of one-on-one -on -one help from me other than hiring me to be a consultant and to work one-on-one -on -one in your business. So if you've been a student, you know that you can email me, you send me the homework, I will look at it. We have Q&As, we do, um, those are Zoom meetings. So I see you, I hear you, I talk to you. And this year we're introducing, I'm going to introduce hot seats because I think that that's a huge opportunity where organizations want to hear from other nonprofits in the sector and other development and marketing professionals to get some ideas. Rather than just hear from me, we kind of bounce ideas back and forth um, to each other. 
So there are some payment plans available. The doors close February 7th. Um, you can go to this link or you can just go to socialgoodacademy.com and you know, email me with any questions, ask any questions that you want at the end of this webinar. Okay, great. And Amy, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful testimonial. If you are on here, um, I adore you and I appreciate you giving me permission to share this for everyone else because I know people need to hear from their peers. All right, so let's dive right in. Social media trends nonprofits need to consider as we enter 2020. I mean, doesn't it feel like 2020 has been underway for quite some time? I'm still doing 2020, sorry, 2020. I keep saying 2020. It's almost like time stopped in 2020. Does anyone feel that way? Saying 2022, I haven't gotten used to that. 2022. So as we enter 2022, what are some of the trends that we need to pay attention to? Does social media matter for nonprofits? Question I get all the time. Yes, yes, yes. Read the Global NGO Technology Report. Really read any reports that are being done online in terms of the impact that social media has on awareness and visibility, but also driving donations. So it seems like we all agree that it's great for driving brand awareness. Um, it's great for driving website traffic. But people that are on social media, they actually do say that they've used sites like Facebook and Twitter in the past month to show support um, for their causes. So 29% of online donors say that social media is the communication tool that most inspired them to give. Um, and email was second at 27%, which I thought was interesting. That's a change from years past. 87% of donors who first donate from a social referral source, make their second donation from a social referral source. <clears throat> and people absolutely love, absolutely love donating on Facebook and they'll do it again multiple times. Social media, according to Classy, um, and as we know, Classy was just acquired by GoFundMe. So congratulations, Classy. Drives 57% of traffic to fundraising campaign pages. Now, love it or hate it, love Facebook fundraising, hate Facebook fundraising, billions of dollars have been raised. Now, these are um, mostly through Facebook birthday fundraisers. And, you know, what Mark Zuckerberg announced when they hit this milestone is more than 85 million organizers and donors have chosen to support an organization through Facebook. And the 2020 Global Trends and Giving Report found that 32% of donors that donated through Facebook and Instagram giving tools, 89% say they're likely to give through Facebook again, which I think is pretty interesting. And we know that consumer behavior and donor behavior are pretty much the same because donors are consumers, consumers, hopefully mostly consumers are donors. Not everyone is both, but e-commerce behavior definitely follows donation behavior and philanthropic behavior online. So people, consumers are influenced by social media. Um, they're four times more likely to spend on purchases and it shortens the customer journey. It amplifies the impact of social proof. It remains one of the most effective ways to reach your audience. And this is a source to search engine watch. On the right-hand side, this is one of my 
favorite organization, Amira um, Incorporated, they did a Hope 2020 campaign where they in they shared six stories in one day and they did a countdown and they shared this with their social media ambassadors so that they could share it. So I could easily share that on my Instagram story. So social media influences consumer behavior. I know that anytime I share something on social, I don't, I mean, I really don't like the word influencer. I'm not very comfortable with influencer, but I do know that I think I shared a sweater, a sweatshirt that my sister-in-law bought me. And it says, I'm so freaking cold. And actually I wear it almost every day because it's the best sweatshirt. I share that on social media. I probably got seven direct messages, tons of people asking me, where did you get that? Where did you get that? I'm not even advertising that sweatshirt. I just like that sweatshirt. Um, But because I've built an audience that trusts me and an audience that probably likes some of the similar, similar things to me, people wanted to know where I got that, where I got the sweatshirt. I got it at the paper store or she got it at the paper store rather. Cause I said, everyone's asking me where we got that sweatshirt. So the other big question that I get asked is, you know, my donors are not online or the statement that I hear are my donors online. We can't assume that older people don't participate online. Baby boomers and matures are the fastest growing generation adopting social media. Most of them are on two or more platforms. So don't assume that your donors are not there. They just might be using it a little bit differently and they might be on different platforms than your Gen Z donors or your millennials, but they're there. Things to remember, okay? This is my major philosophy here. The internet does not owe you anything, okay? These companies, the social media platforms, they are big billion-dollar businesses, multi-billion-dollar businesses. They do not exist, unfortunately, to serve us. Places like Classy, yes, they do. But social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, name it, you name it, YouTube, they exist to make money. They exist to make money for their shareholders. So we do have to understand that. And I don't, I'm not cynical. I feel like I'm not a cynical person, but I don't have rose colored glasses on when it comes to the reality of using these platforms. You also have to really spend some time building up trust first before you can start turning on that money faucet. I mean, it's not really a money faucet. It really requires a long-term strategy. It's like exercise consistency over time is key. It's a marathon and not a sprint. Okay. And your nonprofit might be better suited to Instagram. Somebody else might be better suited to Twitter. Someone else might be better suited to LinkedIn. So that's the real challenge. There is no one size fits all, just like there's no one size fits all exercise program. There's no one size fits all personal training program. There's no one size fits all nutrition program. Social media really is the same in that way. That's a great analogy. So what are, why would we even use it? Why do we care? Why do we want to use it? Well, other than pushing up promotions, there are a lot of other reasons to use it. You want to increase transparency. You want people to see what you do, who you are, why you do it. You want to solicit feedback um, because you can get real-time authentic feedback. Maybe you want to, you know, see what you do through a new lens, get a fresh perspective. You want to be relevant. You want to be alert and responsive 
to conversations around your cause and your industry. You want to inform and catalyze, you know, current marketing and fundraising efforts. Those are some really great reasons to use social media. So wait, did I have an example? No. So beyond pushing out marketing messages, I think it's so important that we understand just like in our personal life, what we share on social media affirms our values, our belief systems, what we stand for, and it helps us reach more people who think maybe like us want to learn more and might want to get involved in our work. So this is why showcasing your impact, telling great stories, you know, encouraging conversation, sharing your vision, it's a great way to use social media. So it can't just be, okay, promoting our event, promoting our gala, promoting our annual report, promoting the public phase of our capital campaign. It really needs to be baked into your overall philosophy philosophy about how you communicate with your donors and how you communicate with your supporters. So we need to start looking at social media as a way to explain what we stand for, what we're trying to change. So what's wrong? What is the problem that we're working on? Why is it important? How are we working to solve it? And what are our core values? And we also have to understand that many people will not resonate. It won't resonate with a lot of people, but the people that it does resonate with, hopefully we will be able to bring them a little bit deeper into the fold. We're selling a better world. Okay. That's what we're selling on social media. We're selling our vision of the world. And I want to encourage you to fit it into your overall strategic plan. So it doesn't replace anything. And I think this is incredibly important. Anything that's working doesn't replace it. It just augments it and enhances it and hopefully becomes a part of everything else that you're doing. And it works best when it's incorporated with offline, with multi-channel, with everything else that you're doing. So the first part of the webinar, the four areas of social media management. And these are really where you're going to split your time when we talk about how to split up your time into 20 minutes. But these are the four areas that you are responsible for if you're the only person responsible for social media at your organization. The first area is research and listening. So we need to think of ourselves as journalists and documentarians. We need to be looking for what's interesting, what's relevant, what's the hook, what's the angle, what's the emotion. What's going to captivate our audience and get them wanting to learn more? So research and listening. I love this from Albany Public Library. A lot of libraries did post when Facebook and Instagram was down that day. Um, I guess it was October 4th, 2021. A lot of libraries posted, a lot of museums posted. But this is research and listening and constantly just seeing what's going on, being aware of the trends being aware of the influencers, being aware of the other conversations, the hashtags in the industry. So some of the tasks that this might entail, these are not prescriptive. These are just suggested, recommended, some things that I've worked on in the academy with my students. I do give a detailed weekly task list for social media managers inside the academy. But some of the things that this might entail, List out some bloggers or journalists or influencers that you follow or that you want to follow to get information. Create a label in your email provider for email newsletters. Now, this is so important. Okay. 
uh, first of all, I'm struggling with this actually today. I signed up for some courses. I have so many email newsletters I want to read. I need to put them all in a separate label and a file time block out and say, okay, I'm going to spend an hour tonight just like going through. I also got this amazing, I got the remarkable. I treated myself and it is phenomenal. It's like a Kindle, but you can write on it. It's, it's amazing. So you can read eBooks and stuff on it. Um, so I got that because I think it's very, it's very hard for me to read emails on my phone or read emails on a tablet. I needed something that was like a Kindle slash a notebook. And it's, it's awesome. What else this can entail? Write down, writing down three hashtags. What are the hashtags that you think your audience might follow? What are the hashtags that you follow and make a commitment to follow them on social media Collect screenshots, collect examples in a Google Drive. I have a gigantic Google Drive of examples and oh my gosh, my phone, everything is just cluttered with screenshots of examples and ideas. So those are some examples of where you could spend your time doing research and listening. The second piece of social media management is content creation and curation. So this is where you're going to create and curate the best content for your audience. And this is where the rubber hits the road, like making videos, making graphics, taking risks, um, creating visuals, and really thinking about what's going to be provocative, interesting, and, and relevant. It might mean trying new things, maybe going on live on Facebook, maybe sharing Instagram stories. Um, it does require persistence and constantly looking out for great photos, video stories, and mission moments within your organization. What can you share? What kind of content can you create? So some of the things this might entail, write down the five to 10 topics, stories, types of posts that your audience likes and responds well to. Um, how many of these posts can you create with original content? How many can you curate from trusted relevant sources and creating videos graphics and photos. So curation is what I do on Twitter. So I share my own blog posts, but I also share other helpful information that I think would benefit my audience. So things from, you know, nonprofit tech for good or things from Beth Cantor or Stanford innovation review, that kind of thing. So that's curation. You have to think about it like you're a curator at a museum and you're kind of putting the pictures together all in an exhibit. So in module three of the Academy, we actually create a content calendar and a, um, I have a content planner that I use inside the Academy, but this is just some of the topics, some of the tasks that you might complete when you're scheduling out your content creation and curation. The third bucket is community management. Now remember, social media is a two-way street. And I've told the story before, I'm gonna tell it again. When I started my business, I was called in to do the social media management for the city of Beverly, for the mayor in the city of Beverly, where I am from, used to live. I moved to the town next door. And when I met with him, and he is a lovely gentleman, he said, okay, can I... can I do the social media where I don't have, I can turn off all the comments, I can turn off the messaging, and it's just posting. And I said, well, that sounds like either a blog where you turn off the comments or a billboard. 
that sounds like a newspaper ad. That's not the point of social media. Once you open up this can of worms, this delicious can of worms, you cannot unopen it. And people expect answers and acknowledgement and, and fast. So you don't have to answer them in three hours. I would say 24 hours would probably be okay. If they have an urgent question, it's, it's different. But if they just say, oh, I loved your museum, you can respond within 24, 48 hours. Or if they just said, oh, I have a question about this or a question about your website. You're not ready for social media if you don't want to open two-way conversations um, and build these relationships. So some community management tasks, follow 10 accounts per week. That's what I usually recommend, uh, depending on what platform you're on and depending on what makes sense for your nonprofit. So I, you have to follow people in order to get more followers. Look at who follows you, see who could follow back. I do not follow the, you follow me, I follow you automatically rule. Um, I don't do that on Instagram um, or Twitter, but I do look at who follows me. And if it's interesting to me, if it makes sense, then I follow them back. Answer questions. Now, this is a huge piece when we're creating our policies in the academy. We talk about how to take negative conversations offline or direct them to DM, which is direct message, how to ignore the trolls and how to create internal and external social media policies. But this is a huge piece of community management, which is the third rung, I guess, on the ladder of social media management overall. Okay, let me just take, mm. okay, quick sip, water. The fourth piece, measurement and analysis. This is the one that gets forgotten. We are so busy doing content creation, we're busy answering comments, Research and listening, maybe we're doing some research and listening, but we are certainly most probably, excuse me, not doing measurement and analysis. Don't drink an entire two seltzers right before a webinar. Okay. I love my, I love my good pull and spring. All right. If you don't know how well you're doing, how can you figure out where to improve, what to do more of, and what to kind of get rid of? And this is why we spin our wheels. We don't look at what we're doing. So the work of measurement and analysis means knowing what to measure, where to find it, how to create a spreadsheet so you'll keep up with the measurement, how to help coworkers and supervisors embrace the work. That's huge. That is a huge piece of measurement analysis. It doesn't just go into a spreadsheet and you never tell anybody. You're going to create reports and report out and show people the impact and talk to them about how you can best achieve your goals. And then this is also, also in this is where to find benchmarking data. So you can see how you're doing compared to other nonprofits. So some tasks, and this is an entire module in the academy, but choosing relevant metrics to track each month, running reports, reporting out to supervisors. How are you going to really get buy-in, right? Using this data to analyze and identify trends and improve the work. So we have research and listening, content creation and curation, community management, measurement and analysis. Those are the four pieces that are required for success. So this is the way that I like to space it out in 20 minutes per day. And I'm going to give you some productivity tips. Really simple. You have to divide and conquer. You've got to decide 
what's going to take up the most time. And I believe it's content creation and curation. That's going to take the most time to do. So Monday, you might spend doing some research and listening, doing some community management. Tuesday, content creation and curation. You can actually schedule out. I don't recommend scheduling everything out, but you can schedule using your Facebook business manager, using Hootsuite, Buffer, Planoly is a great one. Wednesday, same thing. Thursday will be research and listening, community management, and Friday can be spent on measurement and analysis. Of course, if you finish something up early and you got four minutes to spare, then you can do something else and you can adjust it, but it's just going to help it be more systematic for you. It's just creating more of a plan and a timeline and sort of a blueprint for the time that you're spending. Now, my favorite productivity tip is the Pomodoro tick technique, because what happens, I know this happens to all of us. We take five minutes out of the day to check Facebook, and then we're down a rabbit hole and have 50 Chrome tabs open. And actually I had to close all my Chrome tabs before this webinar because they were crashing my computer. So the Pomodoro technique, this is a 25 minute um, exercise. You could do 20 minutes. You could do 10 minutes. You could really do anything. It's just the principle. Decide what you're doing, set the timer, turn everything else off, work on your task, and then take a short break and then do it again. So this is good for anything, if whether you're doing grant writing, whether you're doing donor relations, but especially good for social media. Now, I really do recommend, I know it's hard for those of us that are always on, keep a schedule, okay? Now, this is what I do now because... I was getting so overwhelmed with my direct messages, my notifications, my text messages. Um, what else is on my phone? I don't know. So what I had to do is I had to tell people, look, if it's urgent, call me on the phone. I mean, that's my family. And otherwise I will respond to your text messages between noon and one and between four and five. And I'm not kidding you. And I have to do it that way because I cannot have my phone on me all day. I can't be getting notifications all day. It just throws me off. So if you keep a schedule like that, then you will not, you know, conversations aren't going to fall through the cracks. Schedule dedicated time, block out hours and 20 minutes in your calendar and create these special tabs within your email because you're going to get those notifications sent to your email or turn off your notifications on your phone and then take a set time in your day to check the notifications. So um, for me, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, they get their own folders and I schedule time in my calendar to monitor these networks one by one. I just can't have to do the on, always on mentality all the time. I can't do it anymore. I could never do it before. Well, and now I just am like, nope. The key to success is implementing a long-term plan, right? So 20 minutes a day will only get you so far if you don't have a plan and a strategy. So you need a plan and a strategy. This is what we focus on in the academy, but some kind of quick and dirty tips to start your own strategy is figure out your goal. Identify what you're trying to achieve. Identify the possibilities, the opportunities. How will you know success? How will you know success? And it's not, I will know it when I see it. That is not it. Identify your goals and then know who you're talking to and who you want to talk to. So the people that you already have with you and the people that you need to reach, that's audience identification. 
Then you can choose your platforms. Your platforms have to be tied to your goals and your audience. And this is what we do in module one, I believe in module two of the academy, because we need to take some lots of time to figure out our goals and our audiences. And then we choose the platforms. Now, I encourage you to reframe the way you think about marketing in general, but especially social media. Don't cut through the clutter. The only solution to the digital clutter problem is to craft inspiring, relevant communications designed for your target audience, asking them for their attention and earning their participation. So this is why we spend so much time identifying who we're engaging with, what action we want them to take, because different messages inspire different actions. And create content that people want to read, watch, and consume. What's going to put a smile on their face? What's going to help draw them in and make them excited and proud to be a part of your organization? Telling stories, shedding light on your staff members, your volunteers, the day-to-day work, creating that emotional connection. This is what social media is really about. Think about why we joined social media. We joined it to connect with real people and to talk about ourselves and our identities and things that matter to us and then connect with other people that we want to talk to about these things. So that's how we should be using our, our platforms. And then sharing information that is helpful to our audience. You know, Susan G. Komen, Florida did a whole series of Zooms live, actually Facebook lives when COVID first hit in 2020, because people were frantically asking them questions. They didn't know what to do. And then Amira, they're always going live to talk about what's happening, what's going on. We've got such great announcements. Um, We have exciting news. Like this is what's happening. Just keeping people, keeping the pulse of the organization. Road Scholar, they share a lot of great graphics and quotes to get people inspired. They know that female empowerment is a huge, important issue to their audience. And then things like Museum at Night Challenge, what challenges, what hashtags, what cause and awareness days are relevant and interesting to your audience? Are they paying attention to? And then of course, these like mission moments, photos, sharing your impact, that is a great use of your time on social media. This is what people want to see. So in conclusion, before we get to the Q and A is that, you know, trends come and go. Social media trends come and go, but the principles really do remain the same. You need to meet your donors, your supporters, your members, where they are, not where you want them to be. You need to make every interaction as frictionless and clear as possible. Now, frictionless just means be where they are. If they are on Facebook, if they're on Twitter, if they're on LinkedIn, just eliminate that friction and just go where they are. And always think about your audience first when you're revamping your website, when you're writing your email, when you're sharing content on social media. And I just want to encourage you not to get overwhelmed. The only constant online marketing is that it's constantly changing. The platforms come and go. Um, focus on building a real community that will follow you. So I always like to end with the battle-tested tools, always the same ones because I love these tools. I use them almost every single day. Canva, you can get a free premium account if you are a nonprofit. 
Animoto for video, Lumen5 for video, um, WordSwag is a mobile app I like to use for graphics. If you have other apps that you like, I see the chat is kind of like going crazy. Um, and I haven't been paying attention to the chat, but that's fine. If you have other tools that you like to use, please put them into the chat so everyone can see. Just make sure that the two section is set to everyone. So others for scheduling. Um, I personally use Buffer. I really like Buffer. And I also use Facebook Business Manager. And those are really the only two I use. But I know Hootsuite is a great nonprofit discount. Later is fantastic. Um, there are so many tools that people really like to use. Okay, so let's see. My ending thoughts. So, you know, oh, someone says Flip Snack. Flip Snack is cool. Okay, Word Tune. Very cool. What do we have in the chat? Oh, the last, can you show the last slide again? Um, sure, why not? Oh, this one. So this is scheduling. Um, how do we get Canva for free? Go to canva.com slash nonprofits. Canva.com slash nonprofits. Forward slash nonprofits. Um, okay, thank you. Oh, thanks for everyone participating in the chat. So my ending thoughts, the most important piece of advice I can give to you, you know, don't beat yourself up if a few tweets go unanswered. Um, you can edit, you can clean up. Tomorrow's another day, right? Done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. Now that doesn't mean being sloppy. That doesn't mean grammatical errors, you know, like, let's just be real. I am not into that kind of done, <laughs> um, but done is better than perfect. If it's holding you back, it's holding you back. All right. So we're going to get to the questions. This is my last slide. Um, if you do want to join the Academy, socialgoodacademy.com, like I said, class starts February 7th. I'm so excited. Um, and I see quite a few people joining and I am thrilled to get started. Oh, also, wait, I wanted to show you, oh, there's so many questions. I wanted to show you the um, syllabus and also where to get the syllabus. So this is the sales page. Where's the syllabus? The syllabus and the live training schedule. So I'm gonna put this into the chat because this is definitely the most important thing that you wanna look at because this is the question I always get. When are the classes? When, you know, when are the trainings? So we start February 7th, we do a live training once a week and then a Facebook live. And then I'm usually, inside the Facebook group. Um, I'm inside the Facebook group every day, but I always respond to my emails and do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. So that's module one, how to structure your playbook. Module two, get crystal clear on your strategy and audience. We do have a week in between where I let you digest, implement. Um, I'm still taking questions and Q&A. Module three is where we focus on content calendar and plan. And module four is tracking social media analytics and reporting out and getting buy-in and, and sort of all that great stuff. There's a lot of bonuses there too. So make sure that you are, are checking out the, um, make sure you're checking out the syllabus. And if you can't make the live trainings, you get lifetime access to everything. So socialgoodacademy.com is where you'll find all of that information.
All righty. Okay. Oh, what's your page for the live on Facebook? Um, well, I think I'm not actually sure if it's working, but I think I posted it in the chat. It's just on my, it's in the Facebook group. So if you're in the nonprofit social media storytelling group, it's going to be, it's going to be there. Okay. What's the comparison between donations made using, using us mail and online? Um, I, I don't know. Oh, you, you're saying like a statistic, like what is the percentage? Um, I don't know. So I think online donations are maybe about 13 to 15% of all donations, but I want all of you to hear this, right? Cause you hear that you're like, oh, well, it's just a tiny percentage. E-commerce is only 15% of total purchases, right? And you think, oh my gosh, like all I do is buy everything on Amazon, which is true. So you have to take into account with the e-commerce statistic, um, cars, groceries, uh, you know, other things that you just don't buy online. Like I know groceries are bought online, but a lot of other things. So same with online donations. I mean, you're not going to make a $5 million donation to Harvard online. So I think it's a little bit skewed, but I think it's about 13 to 15%. Blackbaud um, actually does a fantastic survey and I'm going to find it. It's called the Fundraising Effectiveness project uh here i'm going to put it in the oh i'm going to put it in the chat although i can't really seem to find a um a good link for it anyways the fundraising effectiveness project um i don't know if this is a weird it's when i google it it looks really weird oh here we go i got it i got it in the chat so just google fundraising effectiveness project afp has the link or blackbod has the link to the fundraising effectiveness project and those are really really great um those are great resources for benchmarking and for donations okay hina says i understand the importance of social media it has served our organization well but we've noticed over the past two years that the consumers are passively consuming rather than actively interacting on our platforms is that something you've noticed in the field Yes, absolutely. I have noticed that. So the key here is to know which platforms get the most active engagement. One is TikTok. Okay. TikTok, love it, hate it, however you want to use it. It's designed for engagement. People go on the platform to engage. There's really no passive scrolling on TikTok. At least what I've seen, a lot of it is hearts and comments, sharing, liking, duetting, um, it's kind of built for engagement and Instagram used to really be built for engagement, but now I do see a lot more passive scrolling, but the other thing is passively consuming. We really can't know how effective, I mean, we can't um, say that it's not effective because for me, I know that I sometimes just go into Instagram See, I know better. I know to give a heart if I like something on a nonprofit's page because I know what it means. But I sometimes just go in there and I like to see updates from people. I like to see what's going on. I don't necessarily need to comment on it. 
So I, I don't know, passive consuming, I don't think that it's necessarily bad, but it definitely makes it hard to track in terms of metrics. Lindsay says, when should you give up on a platform after how, this is such a great question. After how much time of consistently posting, is it time to reevaluate which platforms we use and why? Well, you need module four of the measurement and analysis. We, we talk about this. I can't say for you necessarily what that means, but it's time to give up if you are not getting the results you set out for. If it's not helping you advance your goals, whether that be visibility, connection, um, whatever your goal might be. Now, 100% of your goal on social media cannot be fundraising. Like that can't be your only goal. That can't be the only reason you talk to donors is to get their money. <laughs> there have to be other things, you know, donor relations, donor cultivation. There has to be a long-term strategy. But if you consistently find that you're not getting the results that you want, you have to go back and define those results. And you have to go back and actually figure out what you're hoping to achieve. But I totally think you can break up with platforms that are not working. Um, Judy, hello, Judy Anderson. Um, can you talk about amplifying other groups and connecting it to what your nonprofit does? Leading from behind, showing gratitude to others. Yes, I believe a rising tide lifts all ships. And the more that people can see the great work being done in the sector and other people that you're partnering with, or maybe you're in a coalition, maybe there's work being done in your city, in your town, or even in your industry, in your cause area that you want to illuminate. I don't believe in competition in the nonprofit space. I also don't believe in donor fatigue. There's enough money to go around. There's enough money to go around. All right. And what I love is when I see nonprofits working together and when I see people collaborating and when I get the information that I need, it doesn't always have to just be about you, about your agenda, about your mission, about your organization. It's about the cause. It's about the problem you're solving. And if other people have a piece of the pie of a solution, highlighting them is certainly not going to cannibalize your donations. And people get so scared about that. I love that question. All right, Marty, do you recommend Instagram for all nonprofits? I struggle with relevant content on Facebook and Instagram scares me. Okay, Marty, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that we should all vacation in Florida? Okay, hold on. My daughter is locked out, I think, and my God only knows where my husband is. Um, do you recommend Instagram for all nonprofits? I struggle with relevant content on Facebook and Instagram. I can't tell you that because I need to know what is your budget? What kind of content are you creating? Um, what kind of visuals do you have? Like, where's your audience? What are your goals? So there's so many other questions that I need to answer before I could say that. So I would never recommend one platform for everyone. There's just no one size fits all. Emily says, when following people, do you mean other NPOs or your participants or clients? This isn't, you guys, these are great questions. I'm hesitant to follow participants just in case they post things that aren't aligned with our mission. I also find it odd 
to choose who I would follow as well when it comes to participants. This, okay, there's a lot to unpack there. One, have a social media policy that says we either follow participants or we don't, because you're right, it cannot be arbitrary. It's sort of like my friend Bonnie, who is a teacher. She has a policy. I don't ever follow students. I don't care if they've graduated. I mean, if they're 18 up, if they're an adult, yes. But if they are still a minor, I don't follow them. And that's just her policy. So at least have a straightforward policy. It can't be um, arbitrary. And when I say follow accounts, I mean bloggers, influencers, other nonprofits, partner organizations, um, funders, corporations, you know, anything that's really relevant that's relevant to your, to your mission. Brian says, what are the relevant metrics to track? Um, another answer I can't give you because I don't know what your goals are, your audience. I don't know what channels you're on and I don't know what you're trying to achieve. So relevant metrics to track. I have a lot on my blog around that. Um, just to kind of give you a little big overview, but that's a bigger question than I can answer. Um, I would say, you know, it is important to make sure your numbers are going up. It's important to make sure that, you know, you're not losing 50% of your email subscribers in one fell swoop, but that's really determinant on your goals, your audience, what you're trying to achieve. Um, Mary says, should my nonprofit have every form of social media? Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, despite having almost no following on some of these, is this hurting us? Yes, I would say yes. You do not have to be everywhere. Pick and choose. You can cherry pick. You can say, you know what? We really get, I first of all, I really like Instagram. I want to use Instagram. I like LinkedIn. We're using LinkedIn. We're getting some traction there. YouTube, we're not really getting any traction Facebook, we're not getting any traction. So we're going to focus. We're going to put our more of our eggs in those other baskets. You do not have to be everywhere. Quality over quantity. Alana. Hi, Alana. Within content creation, how do you spark conversations? Well, it's like Seth Godin always says, in order to be remarkable, you need to do things worth remarking on. So in order to spark conversations, you need to post things that are worth talking about that are a little bit, you know, that provoke a response. So I would say, I know a lot of libraries do ebook versus print book or something like that. Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings. I don't know. So think about what you could do in your area, like dogs versus cats. I don't know, but there's no right answer necessarily, but it's just going to spark a conversation. This is also why we need to comment on things that are in the news, things that are relevant and timely and topical, because that's what people are having conversations around. So those are just some ideas. All right, Sheila, what are your recommendations when your work is a dark area? Example, rape. Okay. I've worked for the Boston Area Rape Crisis Center. I've worked with I've worked at domestic violence shelters and Amira, A-M-I-R-A-H, they actual, they work with survivors of sexual assault and sex trafficking. And they, they do a phenomenal job storytelling on social media and on their email. So there are definitely ways that you can do it. And I have some examples for you. Amira is one. 
um, the um, do something.org. They talk about a lot of dark issues to write love on her arms. T W O L to write love T W L O H A. They are an organization that focuses on suicide prevention and substance abuse and misuse. And they do something, they do some really great storytelling. So there's definitely ways to do it. And I've actually worked with a child abuse agency. So there are stories that you can tell that are a little bit uplifting. There are statistics you can share that are provocative. There are definitely content that's going to be interesting and, and relevant to your audience and to your donors, but stay true to yourself, you know, stay true to yourself and what you believe in and what you're trying to achieve. Um, Leah says, okay, so I'm only going to go until about three, but I'm going to probably answer two more questions. Um, and then, yeah, so I think that's what we're going to do. Leah, how do you know which platforms your target audience is using? Well, you either ask them or you look at your analytics inside social media and see if your target audience is there because they'll give you that analytics data. But I would say, ask them and do maybe a short survey, a short poll, and also look at benchmarking data. So if your audience, you want to target Gen Z um, in the Los Angeles area, something like that, you can look up what they're using. You can look at benchmarks that say, oh, the majority of Gen Z is using Snapchat and, and TikTok. So look at benchmarking reports. This is an interesting one. Laura, I've never had this question. Can an organization go live too many times in one day? For example, for a 24-hour day of fundraising, would we be better going live six plus times or just once? You know, what's interesting about this question is that I think a lot of organizations are terrified to go live even once. And you're asking me if you could go live six plus times. Now, I think if you have something interesting to share in a 24-hour day of fundraising, I think that's fine. Um, otherwise, I would just post on stories like Facebook stories or Instagram stories, updates throughout the day. What I would do is probably have a Facebook Live to announce the campaign at the start of the day and then one at the end of the day, unless you're doing some kind of live telethon where you're raising money throughout the day and you're, you're actually taking callers or you're asking people for money. Um, I think six times would be a lot, but if it's been proven to work, if you've seen it work, then, you know, certainly go, certainly go with what's working. But for me, I think that they would, it would get kind of confusing. And I would rather you have do a very impactful one in the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And then you can share videos through the rest of the day. They just don't necessarily need to be live. Ooh. Okay. One more. Um, oh, Sierra. Hi, Sierra. What's one thing we can tell our directors to convince them we absolutely need to be a part of this Academy. I promise I did not pay Sierra to say that. Um, one thing is that you're going to save time and you're going to get better results. So those are two things, but time is money and your time is valuable. You're going to have a plan. You're going to have a calendar. You're going to walk away knowing exactly what you're doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not spinning your wheels, 
not reading a bunch of blogs, not going to YouTube university, as I call it, trying to DIY it, patchwork it. And you're going to be part of a community that's going to be very supportive of you. So I know that's more than one thing, but thank you, Sierra. That was so helpful. Thank you. All right, everybody. I'm sorry. I didn't get to all the questions. I want to be respectful of your time and you can always email me your questions as well. I really hope to see you inside the Academy um, or I hope to see you at another webinar. You will get the recording. You will get the slides, all of that great stuff. And you're doing great work. Your mission is important. Your work is important. And the change that you're making in the world is important. And I value you and thank you so much for spending an hour with me today. And I hope to see you inside the Academy. All right. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Have a great day.